Welcome into the Set the Edge podcast. I'm your host, Andy, joined here by the intrepid crew of David and Tark. Fellas, it is uh, Thursday, March 11th. We are, uh, you know, a few days past the franchise tag deadline. Um, you know, we're starting to really get into the big swing of things in the offseason. So all that being said, how how are we feeling? I'd be feeling better if I was confident Belichick was actually going to do anything in free agency. Hey, look, the last time the last time he had this much cap space, like he, they went all out and all the reports are saying they're going to be super aggressive. So I'm hoping so. All this cap space and all the players being cut, like all star players, like I think they're going to make some moves this offseason. I'd be very surprised if the Patriots don't get at least one like top player, at, like top free agent yeah. at their position. There's and there are reports scenario. that Nikhil Harry is on the trading block as well. There's yeah. A scenario where the Patriots are in the playoffs next year because of how much gas space they have. Yeah. Because of the players that they go out and invest in and things like that, depending on which positions they, they hit on in the draft and things like that. And, you know, they're, they're totally realistic. It's really hilarious if the Patriots made the playoffs next year to watch uh, the rest of the AFC East fans just cry forever about it, about the one year rebuild it took. Yeah. <laughs> 20 year rebuilds that Buffalo has been on and, Miami and Bolson, New York, nineties. Yeah, we may see Buffalo fall back again. I mean, they're they're losing players now. Yeah, and we'll get into the the players that they, the, you know, the notable yeah. losses and things like that. But uh, first and foremost, like you know, I mean, you know, the whole point was that there was a, uh, you know, the deadline for the franchise tag um, did uh, did pass earlier this week, and so just to go through the list, um, I was surprised by a few names on here, but. Um, you know, Broncos safety, Justin Simmons, Jets safety, Marcus May, Washington football team guard, uh, Brandon Scherf, Bucks wide receiver, Chris Godwin, Jags offensive tackle, Cam Robinson, Giants defensive lineman, De- uh, Leonard Williams, Bears wide receiver, Allen Robinson, Taylor's offense, uh, Taylor, wow, Panthers offensive tackle, Taylor Moton, um, Saints safety, Marcus Williams, um, William, uh, Marcus Williams, uh, Cam Robinson, and Marcus May are the, are the surprising names on that list to me. I don't know if there's anybody that you guys think should have been tagged that wasn't, um, but I, I, the ones that were, the, out, of, out, of, out of those that were, the, those are the names that surprised me a little bit. Yeah, for, for me, it was really just Robinson and Williams. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what the hell the Jaguars were going to do. They didn't really have a whole lot of tag candidates, and they have a ton of cap space, so it's not overly surprising. But Saints are still thirty million over the cap, yeah. so that was that was an interesting move. I think yeah, you guys was... hinted um, on previous episodes that the Lions should have kept Kenny Galladay with a franchise tag, and that didn't end up happening. He's have he's going to end up moving on, and the Lions have no wide receivers now. Yeah, I mean they'll I get mean, they could they guy. could also re-sign him as well. That that, that is totally still an option. Yeah, that is. It, um, it doesn't look likely, though. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Kenny Galladay, I can definitely say that there are quarterbacks I'd rather play with than Jared Goff. That's that's for certain. So Plus the lines are currently over the cap. I mean that too. So it's just going to be really difficult for that to happen. So maybe they trade some pieces away in order to acquire some draft capital or something like that. But they're they're struggling in that wide receiver room as it is. They're struggling um, in everything room. <laughs> I mean, have a single good position group except running back. Um, another uh, one is Hunter Henry not getting franchise tagged. That was a bit surprising. That was not as surprising as Galladay not being tagged, in my opinion. Just and because... Johnny Smith. 
That wasn't but, surprising at all. I would uh, I would not have think that Jadu Smith was deserving of the franchise tag. I mean, and, and, you know, I an extension, was, sure, but not the franchise tag. I thought he was an explosive player that they should have kept. He's dynamic with the ball in his hands, but I would not say like like when you asked me to say name top five tight ends, he does not come to mind at all. They also like, have Anthony Fertzer behind who was behind him and played really solid as a receiver. So yeah, that's true. That's true. If I'm the Titans, I think I'm investing much more, especially with Corey Davis walking. Um, I think I'm investing heavily in a, a wide receiver too, either in free agency or in the draft. I'm investing heavily in a defense because they don't have one. Sure. I mean, there's, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into draft takes too, too much on this episode, but David knows who my favorite wide receiver in this draft is not who I think is the best, but my favorite. And I think that he would be very good with Tennessee, but we'll get into that when it's, the when Titans it's time. did um, cut uh, Malcolm Butler though. They did. Um, and so, you know, again, we're going to, we're going to definitely mention, mention that later when we get into the, the cuts and things like that. But uh, one other player that we actually wanted to discuss first that technically was franchise tagged prior to getting uh, then re-signed to a massive deal uh, is Dak Prescott with the Cowboys, who was uh, initially franchise tagged and then signed to a four-year $160 million deal with, <laughs> with like $126, $127 million guaranteed. Yep. Um, so Dak got a, paid. It also has a, a lot of money and a no tag provision for the future, so he can't. They can't tag him again after the contract's over. Which is re- I think he got everything he could have asked for. Um, he got his with that contract years, got his guaranteed money. I believe that set the record for guaranteed money. That sounds about the right. For most amount paid out in a single season because he's getting seventy-five million this first year. Yeah. So last year, if the Cowboys signed him, he would have been getting around $35 million a season. Yeah. yeah I mean, the issue previously had been in those talks had always been number of the years. contract length. Yeah. So, but you know, this contract expires, I think when he's 31. So he's going to be able to go out and get another big payday, you know, assuming he plays that plays well throughout the rest of the contract, which I have every expectation that he will. I mean, it's not, it's not like we've heard like there's any complications from his ankle injury and he was elite before it happened. Play playing at an elite level. Let's, yeah, let's, okay. uh, I, 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 I yourself there. <laughs> yeah, no, he, so I, Prescott has, is not an elite quarterback, but he was playing at an elite level in 2020 prior to getting injured. Now they can get rid of Zeke in a couple of years and get rid of Amari Cooper and build that defense. I mean, Getting rid of Amari, I think getting rid of Amari Cooper is the wrong move. Getting rid of I, Zeke, though. I don't be, for for contract reasons. If Gallup stays for cheap for cheaper in that ten twelve range, and then you've got CD Lamb as well. That's still a couple of years away, so they have time to figure yeah. it out, and I I have time to change my mind and <laughs> potentially potentially end up agreeing with you. But um, yeah. So, so it's another a massive... big thing that happened in the past few days with the was the Dolphins trading for the former Titans first round pick Isaiah Wilson. Who had a pretty uh, fluctuating rookie year? Yeah, you say he, big thing, but the trade details were they swapped seventh rounders. <laughs> it's a former first, first round round, pick. like yeah. considering the fact that he's a former first round pick uh, who played what three snaps with uh, three snaps on offense, and they were all three kneel downs, and then all, yeah, they were victory formation. Down. Yeah, so, and he was the second highest graded offensive tackle by PFF. I mean, he had zero losses, so in terms of pass protection, so good yeah. for him. Um, that being said, it's uh, it's it's just a bizarre situation, and you know, I I, I think that uh, you know, the, the Dolphins are are 
taking a shot on a former first rounder and seeing what they can get out of them. Yeah. Seeing if they it's can turn, on, on, yeah, turn another team's bust into a, you know, a starting caliber player or something or something more. So it's the Belichick strategy. Yeah. Flores being an understudy of Belichick, it, it made sense. And Flores has a prior history with Wilson too. Yeah. Cause they were, he was a coach at Wilson's high school or something like that, or they both went to the same high school. So, um, so yeah, that was to turn him around. It's Flores. Yeah. So I think that um, on, uh, you know, all things being said, I think that, you know, j- just to wrap up Dak and his contract, it's like, I, I think that that's honestly, uh, like, I think he's deserving in my mind. And I, and I think that oh, yeah. he, I, 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 you know, Jones, Jerry Jones was quoted in saying that, uh, you know, if anybody ever swindled him or something like that, or, or, or got the better of him money wise, like he was happy. It was mm-hmm. Dak. Yeah. Um, and whether that's a fake quote or something like that, it was a graphic that I had seen. So, but I, I'm happy for Dak and happy that he got paid. Um, yeah, good for him, man. Just hopefully he doesn't live up to the money. I mean, <laughs> it's not like the, it's not like he's Carson Wentz, dude. Relax. Um, Carson Wentz is the second highest paid NFC East quarterback this year. No, he's hey, not. That's why I'm rooting for him this year. He's still, you know, getting paid by the Eagles. Oh yes. Okay. No, never mind. Never mind. That's right. I was I was like no, and then I remembered how how the paid like thirty four million to not play for the Eagles. Wild. Um, but speaking of not playing for teams, um, as promised, we are also going to get into you know we talked about teams, uh, players that uh, were franchise tagged or signed to longer term deals, traded around. Um, we have a list of uh, notable cuts that have happened in the past few days, um, as uh, leading up to free agency opening up. Uh, next week on the 17th. Uh, so happy St. Patrick's Day in advance to all of us uh, as we get to see the spending frenzy begin around then. Um, but just to go team by team, you know, we won't harp on any names that we don't think are, you know, have a whole lot to say. But, uh, you know, um, the Falcons uh, released Ricardo Allen, um, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, released Mark Ingram, who then since signed with the Texans for a one-year, $3 million contract. Um, that was like t- yesterday or today. Too, was, I, th- I think that was today. A couple um, hours ago. So, yeah, that's uh, it's a rough situation to be in if I'm Mark Ingram. Um, and I think hey, it's also not – I think it's also not – as a running back now. I, well, well, actually, I'll, when we get to Houston, I'll, I'll mention why I think Mark Ingram is actually a downgrade. But uh, going on to Buffalo, they released wide receiver John Brown, which I was shocked by. Um, it kind of made sense. I mean, he was due like $9 million or, more, or more this year. And they have Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKenzie as their third and fourth options now. And they still have yeah. Diggs. So it's, it's not like they're hurting for wide receivers. True, I clear up cap space. I mean, that's what a lot of these teams are doing. You know, look for like kickers. I'm surprised they couldn't find a trade a trade partner for John Brown. That's so weird to me. That's a bit surprising. But at the same time, getting him off the off the butts, and I don't know the contract details. It might have saved them more to cut him rather than trade him. Maybe it could be because of his uh, hamstring injury the end of last season. That's true. It could have outweighed the trade value. And I mean, this draft is loaded with speed receivers, and then. That led them right into re-signing Matt Milano about 10 minutes before we started recording. And there's also a lot of wide receivers being cut right now. Yeah. That too. But so. the, the Bills re-signed. They managed to keep their key piece, Matt Milano, four years, 44 mil, with 24 guaranteed. 
big, that, which is which is big. I think that that's <laughs> if there was if I you know if I'm a Bills fan and I wanted them to make one offseason move, that would be it. Like like retaining Matt Milano is huge. Um, moving on, we got the Panthers released uh, safety Trey Boston, so he continues to kind of bounce around the league a little bit. Denver Broncos uh, let AJ Boye go, which I think is going to benefit greatly whoever ends up picking him up because he is probably the best. I, I don't I don't think he's a CB one caliber player anymore, but best I think he's number two cornerback. Yeah, he's probably the best number two cornerback available in free agency. If I had to guess off the top of my head, um, I can't think of a of really a, toll, a ton of other free agents that are uh, are better CB twos. Um, so. We also had the Lions letting go of corner Desmond Trufant. Um, the Packers, a uh, couple notable ones, let go of uh, Christian Kirksey at linebacker and right tackle Rick Wagner. Um, Wagner, you will likely remember. Um, for well, our listeners, will remember me harping on him getting away with a holding call on the third and goal in the NFC Championship game um, where people were demanding that Rodgers should have run it, run it into the end zone. Um, not like that mattered anyway, but not like it did. But I just, I you know, but I happen, I a non-Packers fan happen to remember Rick Wagner as something other than just their starting right tackle, and so now you have a notable play to go back and remember him for. Um, Christian Kirksey being a big piece of that uh, linebacking group, I think that that's a very interesting move uh, to say the least. Cap casualty, yeah, but it's unfortunate it's at a position of need for them. So. Yeah. They could be looking at a Nick Bolton to replace him now, which would be interesting. Nick Bolton, um, not necessarily, not necessarily the same mold as Bolton, but Nick uh, is even Collins. Yep, that's who I was going to say. Um, moving on to Houston, um, as I uh, mentioned, with their they did sign uh, Mark Ingram, but they uh, prior to that let go of running back Duke Johnson, which I think is a net downgrade. I think that Duke Johnson can still be a competent three down back, and I don't think that Mark Ingram has really anything left in the tank. Um, as evidenced by the contract that he signed for. Um, he might be a decent short yardage goal line back. If he was behind something that wasn't the Texans offensive line, I'd probably agree. Fair. But he's behind the Texans offensive line that is now going to be also down Nick Martin, uh, their center, who was also released. From what I've seen last year with Duke Johnson, I think he's only a receiving option. You know, he's not a powerful runner or anything. Like, he's not going to give you yards. Um, he's not a yards after contact guy in terms of the rushing game, I wouldn't say. Um, but there's different ways to be a three down back. Um, and I, th- I think that he can. He, he, it's a, he's a little more scheme dependent of one, I would say. I would definitely agree. But I, I'd say he still has the skill set. Um, we, we did, you know, mention in our defensive uh, free agents episode, um, but JJ Watt was also released who and then went on to sign with the Cardinals. Um, Kansas City, um, this is going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, this upcoming season. We saw them in the Super Bowl um, victimized by lack of competent blocking. And so in response, they decided to release left tackle Eric Fisher, right tackle Mitchell Swartz, and they are making and they are not uh, resigning Austin Ryder. Yeah, after so, seeing what Mahomes did during the Super Bowl, like, you know, we can play the whole entire season like this. Yeah, so... <laughs> Maybe Andy Reid will learn to make adjustments at the line this time or plan shorter passes and we'll use his running back more. Use his running back and tight ends as blockers. You know, that I don't know, man. I like, like, again, I can't defend Andy Reid for 
not making those adjustments. I can at least sort of excuse Mahomes for not being the head, the offensive minded head coach, but the blame still falls on him as well for not making those adjustments at the line. If you're an elite QB like Mahomes is, you should be making those adjustments. Yeah. It doesn't have to be diagnosing. Nobody's asking you to play like, you know, diagnose the defense like Peyton Manning in his 10th year, but But don't be Mitchell Trubisky. (laughs) Yeah. You have to read and and understand when, when you're going to get pressure and things like that and make adjustments for it. And to be fair though, he's still young, you know, yeah, he is. There's a lot of pressure on him, you know. Sure, like a new but it, it's not like it was right even now. his first Super Bowl as well. No, um, it was. It was his second Super Bowl going against so, a lesser defense. A lesser defense? Oh. He's calling the Bucks 2020 a lesser defense than 2019. Uh, that's, that's debatable. I think that's uh, not debatable. I, I, it's it's both at their peaks. The Bucks have the better defense over the course of a season for consistency. The Niners, you could, you could Niners were more consistent. That, Bucks were more dominant when they were on. I would agree with that. Too, you could argue assessment. that the Buccaneers had a better linebacker group, but the 49ers had a more ferocious defensive line. I don't think I agree with that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to plant my flag on that this episode. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Chiefs in that offensive line. They're, uh, I think they're pretty much tipping their hand that they're going after. Um, so, uh, look out for the Chiefs to uh, look up the Chiefs to sign uh, the likes of Joe Tooney in free agency, um, <laughs> which I would loathe. Still over the cap. What money will they use to sign Tooney? <laughs> Are they over the cap? I thought they had. I thought they had space. They're still over the cap. Oh wow! I thought they had generated like they gotten five five million under. No, there's okay. there's still four million over the cap. They have to create even more space. Oh, not never mind them. Never yeah, the, mind the, them. The, the cap space for this year is just awful. It went back fifteen million dollars. Line in the first round, and then in the second round, and then in the third round. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they retool that offensive line. But moving on, uh, staying in the same division, we have the Las Vegas Raiders um, guards Richie Young, Incognito, and uh, Gabe Jackson both released. You make a um, whole offensive line based on just based on who got released by the AFC West, right? Um, Tyrell Williams as well was released, uh, who was signed by the Lions to a one year, three million dollar contract, um, and. As if letting two guards go uh, wasn't enough, the Raiders decided to also send Trent Brown in a 2022 seventh to the Patriots for a 2022 fifth. So, which I uh, love. Yeah, I, I I mean, as a Pats fan, I adore. If I'm a Raiders fan, I'm scratching my head as to who the hell is going to be protecting Derek Carr. Plus, so Trent Brown took an eight million dollar pay cut to. And restructured to take an $8 million pay cut as well. Yeah, I'm just not going to spend this episode patting us on the back. I'll, I'll do that later. Um, I will. <laughs> I'm not stopping you. I'm just saying I'll let you. Um, One of the biggest surprises of, you know, this season so far was Kyle Vinoy getting cut after his one and only year with the Dolphins. Yeah. He was another casualty. He got for cheap and made it look like a superstar, went elsewhere, got a decently big deal and just didn't play up to it. I mean, We've he had like nine play sacks, how many you know, I think he led the team in sacks. He, he no he he played just fine um this past season he 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 played well um I think what's really funny is that especially if he reunites with New England this uh, off season um he will the Patriots will get a 2021 compensatory fourth round pick 
and also for the player that's on their roster, which would just be so funny. I think they've done that before too. I I would if if anybody's done it, it would be the Patriots. I just it would be really funny that it would be someone of Van Noy's caliber. Um, It's crazy how it always comes back to the Patriots' way. It's I mean they they utilize the compensatory pick formula like few teams do. they got the top two pick. They got the top pick in the third and fourth round for compensatory this year. Yeah. No, it's genius. You have one bad season, and all of a sudden this year they're going to build great and probably like be in the uh, mix for the playoffs. Yeah, you're helping. Um, Assuming they can get a quarterback, that's that's yeah. the big question. Well, no one. Not to mention with that. Not to mention, speaking of potentially being in the mix of uh, for the playoffs next season, a team that I don't think has any shot in hell of that is the Saints. Um, because they had to release for cap reasons, linebacker Quan Alexander, tight ends, Jared Cook and Josh Hill, mm. corner Janoris Jenkins, punter Thomas Morstead and wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. Um, and they're also letting, you know, it's presumed that they're not going to retain Drew Brees, who's was assumed to be going into retirement, but supposedly might come back for another year. No one knows what's going on with him. The yeah, but they, they still need to create and they have until the 17th to do it. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so they need to make moves quickly. Um, and I, I don't see the saints like, like considering like they're, they're, they're going to be down all these starters at various positions. They're not going to have quarterback one or quarterback three from their depth chart last season. And so I just don't see the saints really contending at all for even the division. Much all right. less. Here's a question for you. Who's the next player that's going to be cut or traded from, from the Saints? Um, I cut or traded? I think I think the smartest one would be Marcus Williams because tag and trade, you know, get him get that contract off the books and get something for that that franchise tag. I think that that's that that would be the smartest one. I'm gonna go on a limb and say Marshawn Lattimore. Ooh. He's owed $10 million this year, which which is fair. I'm not saying he's overpaid, but he has zero dead cap this year. Um, he's in, I believe, the last year of his contract. He's looking for a new contract, which is either they're going to restructure it and shift a lot of this money into and the future, it. or I could see the, a trade. I, I, he's not going to get cut, obviously, but I could, I could definitely see him being traded for I don't know, maybe a second and a third or something like that, or a first and a third. I wouldn't give up that much for Lattimore. So it'll, it'll be right. interesting what, to what, see what the compensation would be. I'm thinking um, they would trade Cameron Jordan. You can't, not with the dead cap hit. Yeah, his dead cap hit is pretty high. He has a thirty um, million dead cap hit. If so, that that's that's just not possible. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know, man. The Saints, the Saints are, uh, you know, we, we've been saying for a good few years now about how the Saints are constantly in win-now mode, and it seems and, – and this seems like the year when that's going to catch up to them and, and like it has. Um, they went all in with Drew Brees. And it, like, I, don't you mind. I respect what they did, and I wish yeah. more teams would do it. I, I, I don't think they should regret it. That, that's no, not my statement. Because they, they, how many NFC Championship games did they make? Couple, two, three, four, and that's just in the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, I mean, so more teams should do that. Where you, you have your franchise quarterback, and while either they're still on their rookie contract or they're at the end of their deal, and you're going to either let them walk or retire or whatever. I don't know that they actually did. Hang on, I need to go back and check. I, I, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm going back and checking. I don't think the Saints actually made more than one NFC Championship game in the last five years, which I think is insane. 
Is it really not? I, I I'm pulling it up, so don't 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 worry about looking at it because I'll tell you one against the Rams. I think that's the only one. That's the thing because they didn't make it. The, they lose to the Vikings. No, the Vikings. What the, the Vikings was in the. Um, that was a divisional round. Well, here's the thing: is that last so two years ago against the Vikings, it was in the wild card round. 2018, they did make the NFC Championship game against the Rams. 2017 is the Vikings game, the the Minneapolis Miracle. Uh, and that was in the division round against the Vikings. Uh, and you know, 2016, they didn't even make the playoffs. And I mean, 2020 uh, was divisional. Yeah. They literally made one NFC championship game. I still wouldn't regret it though. Oh no, they shouldn't regret it. That's, that's not my statement at all, but it's, it's just fascinating that they went so all in, had a great roster year in and year out and made one NFC title game in zero Super Bowls. It's it's just fascinating. That's what you got to do though, is while you have that quarterback that you can afford before you have to pay them that $40 million a year contract, get all those, whether they're aging free agents or young high upside guys and just, shift all the money back make that run while you can and yeah it'll catch up to you eventually but you have that four or five year window and you just have to capitalize on it it's, unfortunately they weren't able to but i mean they'll they'll tell you forever and back that they should have made the super bowl in 2018 because it's of almost the call. like Drew Brees threw a pick in overtime anyway it, they should have been running the ball inside the five it never should have even gotten to that point the fact that they didn't is their own fault all right next Especially with new york with giants coach <laughs> Um, yeah, so the Giants, um, you know, just a couple names uh, to, to mention, you know, linebacker David Mayo, wide receiver Golden Tate, and guard Kevin Zeitler. Um, Golden Tate's the only name that's even really, like, worth mentioning, and that's and he's just – he's not at all the same receiver. Zeitler was part of the Odell be. trade. He was not noticeable in that offense at all. No, he was not. Like, he's, he's a shell of himself at this point, so. Yeah. Um, Moving on to Seattle, who I think they have two notable names, and oh boy, are they notable, is uh, Carlos Dunlap, who they traded for midseason, um, and they're now letting him go. Um, I think I, – I don't know if they're deciding that that's a failed experiment or if they just think that he's the most expendable player at his position for, for cap reasons, but – I think it's the later. I, I – it's I just weird. They're kind it, of a mess, and no one wants to really acknowledge that. Seattle is not as well run as people seem to give, you know, give them credit for being. Um, and uh, the other name, by the way, for Seattle is, is wide receiver, Josh Gordon, who I believe um, they released him after he was indefinitely suspended for violating yeah. um, terms of his conditional reinstatement. Program. Yeah. Yeah. Something he was like now that, playing so. in the fan controlled football league. Yeah. He, he actually Johnny Mandel on the zappers. That's right. He requested his release so that he could go and honor that contract with the Zappers to play in the FCF. So that that was kind of a just more of a formality than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he actually I, made the money Hill Mary catch in his debut game. Yeah. So good on him. Yeah, good on him. So yeah. I, this, this is this is a pro Josh Gordon podcast, by the way. So regardless of what your personal assessment is of his talent or anything like that, um, what he is has been dealing with for years and things like that we don't wish on anybody and so we want to see the him succeed and wish him the absolute best um even if it's not necessarily in the nfl just wherever it is so yeah. um the titans uh as previously mentioned by tark uh they released uh cornerback malcolm butler wide receiver adam humphreys and safety kenny vaccaro <laughs> so it's very funny that adam humphreys uh 
signed with Tennessee because he wasn't sure of how long Brady was going to play. He signed with Tennessee instead of New England. Even though the Patriots offered him more money. Yeah. <laughs> the Patriots offered Humphreys a better contract. And uh, Brady then, just to add insult to injury, went to his old team and won the Super Bowl with them. So he's well, got to be released. He's got to be feeling pretty sheepish right now. Um, oh, it's gr- it's great. I love it's, it. It's it's a good bit of Schadenfreude for for stiffing the team that we both root for. So, Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. It's uh, I don't know. I don't know how to how to define it correctly, but basically, it's like pie in the face. Yeah, like me me kind of chuckling at you going through an unfortunate circumstance. All right. Um, so, and then um, there was the feel-good st- story of the year that has come crashing down, unfortunately. And that comeback is Alex player Smith. of the year, Alex Smith, being released by the Washington Football Team. He and, was owed like twenty-four million or so, though. And and they, I think that the way they had the conversation, he, I don't know that he requested his release, but they basically it was kind of a mutual agreement. It was mutual, like, yeah, yeah. This isn't going to work, and so that you know, I, I, I would love Alex Smith in New England. Um, I, I again am absolutely rooting for him no matter where he goes. If you're not rooting for Alex Smith, then there's some other issues with you at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like he's never like said or done anything that's like gonna really like get somebody incensed yeah. at him. And like he's he's been a nice you know, like a nice good dude throughout his entire career. And the only reasons I ever didn't want him to succeed is because he was on a rival team. Right. I never it was never personal and things like that. So again, I always liked him. I thought he was oh yeah, liked player. him as a person the whole way yeah. through. So um one uh, re-signing that we didn't get the chance to mention is that uh the Bucks, uh much to after David's begging and pleading, did <laughs> uh avoided making the mistake that they could have. Uh, well, it still could be a mistake of Barrett Watts. <laughs> I mean, it was much more important that they retain the player that they did, and that's Levante yes. David for two years, $25 million, uh, void years through 2025. So he has a $3.5 million cap hit this year. Which um, is absolutely ridiculous for when you, a guy who might be the best linebacker in the game. Yeah, it's it's absolutely absurd that he would agree to that many void years and things like that. But um, It shows that he... One thing does it is it shows he values the team over himself, and he's made quite a bit of money to his career. So it's it's not like he's short on money, but also I I think it shows that he's going to sign a two to three year deal after this for cheap, maybe a six eight million dollar a year kind of thing, just to close out close out his career and retire and everything. And yeah, what the Bucks have that two three year window left is because Brady's working on an extension right now, and they have that Super Bowl window and. Yes, they just won. They can. They have a good chance to go back. I mean, especially looking at the Saints, like they, they have a really. Tell me who's gonna contend with them in the division. They, they I'm not gonna call anything a lock, but like, the you know, are a year away still. They're a quarterback away at the very least. Which, which is why they're a year. I think even if they, unless they get Watson, if they take a quarterback in the first, I think they're still a year away. Yeah, like they 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 need some impressive quarterback play in order to be contenders and i don't think that they're still going to compare on a roster level so hey who um, knows the panthers could get trey lance with christian mccaffrey anything can happen any of those justin fields zach wilson any of them exactly. i mean trey lance plus zach christian wilson mccaffrey is, is going to be some my favorite uh, quarterback for this year's draft oh mine too trey lance is my qb too 
My QB uh, one. Okay, no. Hey, these. Hey, this All is right. for later. Hey, hey right, yeah, but... no. So let's save the draft talk for a little bit later. But um, to to wrap things up, you guys know the drill by now. It's uh, time for something we didn't necessarily discuss enough. Something we didn't discuss at all that you wanted to go over. It's time for our closing thoughts. I will kick it off, and I will totally do it by being a hypocrite. Um, and after telling you guys to stop talking about the draft, I will then immediately jump into a draft take. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> this guy. This guy. Um, so this wide receiver class, much like last year's, is very, very deep and is chock full of talent. Um, and people are saying, you know, there's a good amount of discussion about, you know, is it 1A or 1B? And my clear number one is uh, Jamar Chase, but I referenced earlier a, uh, a favorite wide receiver. Um, and I think in terms Everybody of... stops talking about him. <laughs> because he is so talented, his release is the best in the class. He is, uh, he is a physical freak of nature. He's 6'2". He's like 210, 215. He ran a 4.39 at his pro day, uh, laser timed. So um, all things considered, I, I don't see how a, a reason why calling Rashad Bateman wide receiver two in this class and predicting, I will go on record as I've said, I don't know, I've said this on Twitter already. I predict that Rashad Bateman will have the best rookie season out of any wide receiver in this draft class. Um, bold prediction pending landing spot and i and i reserve oh, the right to i reserve the right to yeah. to go back and say hey he would have but he ended up in a garbage situation so we'll revisit that one uh post draft but like i don't see him like people have been saying he's not even a first round prospect and i think that that's truly laughable so i i think he's going to be a stud and that he has a bright future in the league oh i'll go on a completely opposite note you're going to talk about you talked about an up-and-coming guy i'm going to talk about the best player in the league um aaron donald i think he he deserves all the praise he gets he is arguably the best pass rushing lineman history pass rusher in history you make a legitimate argument there you make a legitimate argument he's the most dominant defensive lineman or player in history yep all of that is warranted that said, someone said this on Twitter on ESPN or something a while back, and the more I think about it, the more I like it. Um, Aaron Donald is one of the best run defenders in the league. He's also one of the worst. Why? Why is that? Because if if you look, if you watch Aaron Donald closely, and especially when he's single teamed, and even sometimes when he's double teamed, he beats his blocks so quick. He's off his block and in the backfield so fast. You run a halfback cut or a cutback play or something like that right at where he's lined up, he's already behind the running back. And he then has to turn around and chase him down from behind. So So you're using his pass rushing like a screen. He is too good of a pass rusher and it hinders his ability as a run defender. That's so funny. Absolutely wild. He's so out of position. And it's not because he puts himself out of position. It's because he's too good at his other job. Well, you can argue that's just, you know, the, the offense out scheming him. No, it's not even that. Because the idea with a great defender like that is you want to either run complete opposite direction or directly at where they line up. That's what you're supposed to do as an offense. You either run as far away from them as possible or you run directly where they are because they're not going to be there by the time you get there. So he obviously knows. I mean, he's the 
best player in the game. He knows that defenses are going to do that. But as a defensive lineman, and especially as a primary pass rusher, your first job is to rush the quarterback. He's not a run-stuffing defensive lineman. He's not a um, Snatch Harrison type guy or Dalvin Tomlinson, Adam Butler yeah, guy. He does the opposite of eating up blocks. Like, right. like he beats them way too quickly. Right. So he's, he's just simply too good at pass rushing and it hinders his he, ability to stop the run. He basically never, runs a, his pass rushing basically runs a screen on himself, yes, which is I, incredible. I've never seen anything like it. And it's just wild because yeah. he does it from every position on the line. In both a 3-4 and a 4-3, it doesn't matter where he is. He has these same issues, and it's just fascinating to watch. <laughs> Especially so when he, he's back down from behind 10 yards down the field. He is the embodiment of uh, suffering from success. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on to my closing thoughts. So it has been announced that the XFL will be postponing his 2022 inaugural season but there are talks that in 2023 that they are going to partner with the CFL. Yes. Which so, would be awesome. How do you think that will, you know, affect, you know, TV viewership and ratings? And do you think the XFL will actually have a chance to compete with the NFL? And I, see, here's the thing. And I was with you up until those last three words or four yeah. words, sorry. Well, I, I will not compete. It's hard with to the compete NFL. when they're on opposite, you know, times of the year. Well, no, no, not even that. The reason the XFL failed twice was obviously partially because of COVID. But the reason the XFL failed twice, the reason the AFL failed, was because they were trying to compete with the NFL. Mm-hmm. And you, people, they'll deny it. They will never admit that they're trying to compete. But that's what happened, and that is never going to work. The NFL has such a monopoly over professional football in America that you're never going to be able to compete with them. And that's why I think the fan-controlled football league is so yeah. fascinating is because it's very distinctly not trying to co- yeah. uh, compete with the NFL. It's not trying to compete with the CFL or, or arena leagues either. Like it is yeah. entirely its own base. And I think there needs to be enough differentiation. I'm going to go on a slightly weird comparison, but there is in other countries, rugby is huge and there, there's notable differences between rugby union and rugby league. Right. Like there, there is a different number of players on the field. There are different notable yeah. rules um, and things like that. So I think that that's the level of schism that they need to have and, and, and deviation that they need to have away from basic NFL and just make it a different sport entirely. Yeah. And that's why I love the partnership with the CFL, because if you, if you've ever watched the CFL and I don't know how much you guys have ever seen, I've seen a couple of games but the field is a different size. The goalposts are in a different position. They have a number of different, like completely different rules. Yeah. So it's, it's still football, yes, but it's a completely different game. And if you're the XFL and you're going to um, adapt some of those aspects, which I think that's why they're partnering, partnering with them, get a partnership, maybe com- competition between the two, add in that Canadian viewership. That would and be huge. And, and, and they and they can incorporate things that NFL fans are, are clamoring for as well, like a fourth and twelve or a fourth and fifteen instead of an onside cam. kick. The all twenty two like, view strike cam. That that as well. Like they, they, there's so many things that they can more eat more quickly implement than yes. the you know bureaucratic juggernaut of the NFL. So I I, I being able to the, challenge a flag, you know, just things yeah. that we argue about all the time. Yeah, I think it would be what they would basically do a really would likely succeed at is being an experimental 
uh, try like like trying grounds for like the for NFL rules and and requests and things like that. And Dwayne Johnson is great, and I I think this is gonna be a, assuming the partnership happens. I think it's gonna be great. I, I I'm very excited to see what happens with that, and hopefully it, it all ends up uh, uh, melding together as we're as we're wishing it will. But um, thank you guys so much for for joining us. Um, you know, it's always it's been an absolute pleasure. And unless you guys have anything else, I'm all set. Twenty thirty, Dwayne Rock Johnson for president. Twenty twenty four. There is no election in twenty thirty. What do you mean? Twenty thirty two. Twenty thirty two. Okay. So, uh, uh, so hopefully by the next episode, Tarek will have figured out how to count in fours. Listen, uh, but young until- Rock, Dwayne Johnson is running for president. I hope so. Until next time. You know what Young Rock is? It's a TV show. Yeah. He made his own TV show. Okay, we can cut this little piece here. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Andy. I'm David. I'm Tark. And we'll see you guys next time when Tark learns to count. Have a good one.